0: You're listening to the Irish Times.
1: Good morning, Gavin Cumminskey. Morning, how are you? I'm drained. I'm drained. Tough all weekend. Isn't Tough this? all weekend. Well, like, I mean, it's exhilarating to be at those two hurling matches over the weekend. You know, you can't really feel more alive. Than being at those games, and yet uh, there there's a price to be paid for it, and and I see in your pale visage across from me. I wrote, I wrote me two pieces
2: over the weekend, so I'm okay. Like you, wrote, <laughs> you wrote about fourteen. I disagree with you, by the way. Uh, you said Nicky Quaid was your the best thing that happened all weekend. <laughs> sure, it was Peter Duggan. It has well, to be there Peter. is that. I got. Can I just very quickly quote what Sean Moore put a little his little <laughs> yeah. paragraph that got pulled out on the page, I think it's on page two. He's Peter Duggan's score, which is this is this is the great one of the greatest it's gonna go on about the greatest score Crow Park's ever seen. <laughs> but Peter Duggan's score from play to equalize for Claire in the sixty-fourth minute, one handed off the stick, and surrounded by angry defenders, could hardly have been bettered had he been chained, Houdini like, and locked in a
1: chest at the bottom of the canal. <laughs> exactly. The, but but like sport like gets good riding, that, you know. But like that was that was one of I would say twenty or thirty memorable incidents from the weekend. And it was just so, it was just such savage stuff all weekend. Yeah, we should get carried away with it. It's wise. Yeah.
2: You know what I mean? Like that, but that Duggan thing, it was so, there is, you're right, there's so many things. But just the belts he got, it, yeah. it encapsulated the whole, these go away big, strong men are going to savage yeah. you. And they hit, they tried to, they hit him as hard as you could possibly hit him yeah. on a hurling pitch and he bounced off. And, and then the skill was just utterworldly.
1: It was incredible. Uh, we're going to talk about that later. Uh, we have. Uh, A couple of really interesting guests coming in later. Uh, Natalia Coyle. Uh, our modern pentathlete uh, has had a magnificent summer where uh, she's won a silver medal in the World Cup and uh, being part of the Irish team that won a silver in the European Championships a couple of weeks ago. She's in to tell us all about it. Johnny Watterson's going to be here to talk to us about uh, the fantastic progress of the Irish women's hockey team. The great Irish international hockey player, Johnny Watterson. The great, Not many <laughs> people know that? <laughs> Not many people know that, but Johnny, yes, Johnny. In his dark and sordid past, was an Irish international hockey player, uh, but he uh, is now he brought his daughter to see the the A women's good hockey team. player as well. By the way, indeed, yeah, over in London last weekend, um, and he, he began to tell us about the World Cup. Um, but we will start with the hurling. We will start essentially. I'm going to bang on about this about how how drained we all are after it. In many ways, we are the real victims here. At least these uh, players all get to do their recovery. In fancy hotels with nice swimming pools, we are in here. Ice baths, nice baths, and all of that. Uh, we've not quite got our ice baths this morning. Sean Morn looks very refreshed. Sean, I must say, you you clearly have done your recovery before coming into us.
3: You did yeah. yeah, you work all year year for these these days and weeks, <laughs> American, You know.
1: Well, we are all big game players, as I'm sure we showed in the paper this morning. Sean, it was like just a remarkable weekend. Like like the the level of. Um, of, uh, over-egging of how magnificent uh, hurling is can, can get a little irritating at times but like at, at a certain level after a weekend like that you just kind of sort of sit back and let it wash over you to some extent don't you?
3: Yeah, I, it, it, it's a game that just seems to lend itself to instant mythologising as well mm-hmm. I remember a match I think it was the 2004 Munster final that uh, you know, as soon as it was over people began discussing is that the greatest match ever me, played, yeah. you know. Were, I
1: remember they were saying uh, it at halftime that uh, day. Yeah,
3: and, and you know there is that that kind of leaping to, to to judgments, but the body of evidence for this season is fairly impressive uh, at this stage, and has certainly caught me by surprise in the sense that I felt that the round robin provincial championships were just clipped on because hurling people got kind of worried about. Mm. What the football round robin would do in, in, later in the summer and yes the hurling round robin assisted obviously but by what we've talked about before the competitiveness within the provinces which isn't always there um, was just remarkable it dominated the, the early summer and uh, what's happened since is that you know because there were these fears being expressed that oh you know football will drown hurling this year and, uh, uh, and, and it, not only does it not happened but Possibly, there's been a reverse takeover because even you know when you look at it, the, the the first weekend of the of the football round robin um, had to had to share the bed with the uh, Galway Kilkenny replay, yeah. and now the final climactic weekend of the football round robin will have to share space with the Galway Clare yeah. replay. <laughs> uh, so it's been really. Uh, it's been really a summer of, of hurling. Now, I think that competitiveness we talked about in the provinces has obviously assisted even in the playing out of the, the All-Ireland stages because there's just not very much between any of the, the teams, you know, because if we were looking at it a couple of years ago when Kilkenny were at their, their strongest, there wasn't that same yeah. sense of possibility about the All Ireland. as well,
1: though, Sean, there, there's sort of self-perpetuating element to it. Uh, like, the more games these teams play, the better they get. Like... This is the, when when Clare and Galway play their replay, that's their eighth game of the year. They have they have been stress tested, all of them, to, to within an inch of their life. And okay, maybe it is, maybe we are fortunate that everybody is at a reasonably similar level at this stage. But there's also the fact that the teams, teams can improve along the way. And once they get, once you get to your eighth championship game of the year, you you've surely found something. You've surely found some sort of rhythm.
3: Yeah, I I think there's a certain amount of validity in that because uh, what essentially Hurling did in the early stages was replicate the league system. And the league was always more competitive than the championship because it was a series of uh, rapid-fire matches. Uh, It wasn't... These big collisions, the championship tended to be built around, and I think that has contributed to it. And even something like the home venues has contributed to to it, because teams do better on their own home venues. So, so you know they've got put, they got points on the board early in the summer. A team like Clare that had been doing really badly in championship uh, in recent years under the old knockout format in, in Munster uh, found its you know found its rhythm, uh, and I think the two matches they played in Ennis, which was their first championship matches at home since 1997, um, you know, really contributed to that. And as you say, the more you play, uh, the better you get. And certainly the the more practice and teams developing improve because they get, they're get they getting, you know, a couple of championships worth of matches in the one summer uh, this year. And you just feel a bit sorry for the team, you know, for, for Waterford and Tip yeah. you know, at the, the, the dawn of this uh, bright new world. I mean, having been you know, all Ireland finalists in recent years, we're just uh, out watching everyone else um, sure. in, in recent weeks. And how did they've struck gold? Uh, hurling? Do they?
2: What do they do if they tweak it now? Because seven, eight, nine games feels about right, doesn't it, for a serious championship? But what do they have to do to fix it? Like, is the two games this weekend on two semis on a weekend that's come into a bit of criticism already? Even though it, it can be phrased as a hurling festival and all that, yeah. but what, what has to be get done
3: to, to uh, just, just to perfect it? I'd say that the, I, I felt that that the weekend worked. Worked reasonably well, I know. I mean, Maliki's right to contact Amnesty from our point of view, having to cover two matches in in, in one weekend. But, you know, from the, the game's point of view, I, I thought... Now, admittedly, again, I mean, just outstanding matches one day a, a after another, and for good measure, one of them not properly finished yet. So, yeah. you know, we go again uh, a, a week later. I'd say the big thing that will be fixed will be in the provincials, and that's the... the Building a gap week into it so the teams don't have this run of three matches, um, and I think also teams that was the major flaw. this that kind of probably killed off Wexford, didn't it? Um, well, no, I mean sure, Wexford made it to the to the knockout stages, so I mean it was just you know, Clare that killed off Wexford. And I, but I know what you mean. But I, I think I think Wexford put a lot into the early season as well, and you know they would look to be running an empty a bit but they got to, by the time they got to Parky a couple of weeks ago. So uh, I I think there will be some tweaking uh, on it. But I think counties get used to the the rhythm of of regular matches as well. You know, that you can't uh, throw the kitchen sink at every match, you know, when you you have another one coming. But I think that break to just equalize it a bit for for teams. So, you know, there were a couple of teams, uh, Dublin and Clare, uh, you know, hit the jackpot of having two matches, Mm. a break week and then two matches, whereas... The other teams all had to put three together at some stage. And, and their third match, the evidence was that the, the, they suffered. So, uh, so yeah, that'll, that, that'll be looked at. The, um,
1: the games this weekend, uh, there was a certain point, I think about 10 minutes into the second half yesterday,
3: I think there had been 10 scores
1: in 10 minutes or, or maybe even 11 in the first 10 minutes of the second half yeah. of normal time. And part of me was sitting there going, this actually... It wasn't. It, it. I didn't feel it was as enjoyable as the night before because there, there was something far more elemental about the night uh, about Galway Clare. I felt, uh, but again, like you can't. Sometimes you just can't really. You can't dismiss a hurling match because it just took off towards the end of normal time, um, I, and I'm not sure. Well, I'm not sure that it, it, there's even a point in saying which was the better game. I kind of still kind of felt that. There was more sort of championship hurling in, in Saturday's game than yesterday. I thought there was just so much space yesterday. It's Maybe court games tend to do that. There does tend to be more space to express yourself in court games.
3: Yes, it was interesting, actually, when you look back at the drawn match between the counties in June, it played in Parquay Quive, that, uh, that it was very loose in the opening phases. But then when Aaron Galan got sent off and it went down to 15 against 14 suddenly all uh, the space mm. closed up um, I don't know because Limerick tightened things because they were they were a man short but it it, it had a big impact on uh, on the match I mean Limerick kind of raised the the stakes certainly physically uh, at that stage because mm. they kind of had to because they were making up for being a man short uh, and yeah I, I, I take the point about comparing the, the two matches but I think you know the the structure the narrative of the two matches was different and the, the Clare comeback was impressive on, on Saturday but it was done reasonably early I mean they got a, an injection of five points uh, I think you know in the first half mm-hmm. to trim that big big deficit uh, they were facing
1: and more crucially they stopped the bleeding at the yeah the, and they made switches and Galway
3: never really got yeah. away from them again whereas Limerick you know were staring into the abyss when you're you know you're when Darvish given slings over that point for the six point lead, and it's the six, second minute or, or something, I think this is this, this is done. All so the I, fizz,
1: I, all the fizz went out of the crowd at that stage. Yeah. Like Shane Darling got the next point; he was just very on yeah. the quickly, pitch yeah. very quickly. But even at that, then it then was, it was it, yeah, he got a, the long free and then the next point. But it was still only polite applause for his. Yeah,
2: I yeah. was writing the live report so about two three minutes before that, I made the decision. I'm going to write 900 words here now in Cork going to the All-Ireland Final, because you have to make the decision. Yeah. And it was a nightmare. Um, or so, suffering. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Don't do live hurling. It's just hell on earth. Actually, I can do anything now because I've got through that. But the, I just imagine the stress of the people in the crowd. And you're looking around at Limerick people and the big screen was going on them. And there was a woman crying. There was a man buried yeah, in his jersey. Yeah, right, yeah. And I want to see those people 15 minutes later.
1: At, Be- um, at this, Galan's point... Gal- was the leveling score glans free? Did glans score a close-in free to level it, or maybe put them a but point ahead? Point, right? I think point that was the a, seventh. Yeah, put them a point ahead. And I actually, while he was lining it up, I stood up in the in the press box to look back at the crowd because, mm. like, the crowd was just going bananas yeah. by this stage. And uh, 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 murish who hands out the the programs mm. in in Crook Park, came over and tapped me on the shoulder and he says keep your eye on the uh, keep your eye on the game and I said no 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 I'm watching the crowd here they'll tell me he's well he's obviously going to score it anyway mm. but this is this is what's like this is what's worth watching now it's so just, you miss Harden hard he's no uh, fresh air shot <laughs> <laughs> but this is what's wor- w- worth watching now you mm. know what is going on here like w- w- the the effect of this on these people and I thought like to me you know, I, I wrote it in the paper this morning like you could pick a million moments out of the out mm. of the weekend but Nicky Quaid.
0: His yeah, tackle yeah.
1: on Seamus Harndey yeah. straight after that. I, to me, that that's the it's takeaway perfect. moment from the weekend. Dallin, Dallin Duggan's point the night before. Yeah, yeah, was, but like even even with Duggan's point, close there was run. there was yeah. still six minutes to go. This was Harnady scores the goal, are in the
2: final. That's it. Yeah, but so that's what I'd love to ask you about. John. And Bodius is to me Cork froze or something happened. I know Cadigan went down. Harndey didn't. Neither of them could finish. Mm-hmm. They're losing. Central figures and leaders, but did they freeze again? It's because they just stopped. I know Limerick came at them, and Limerick kept hurling and kept playing and kind of
3: opened their shoulders and kind of let, let themselves go. But thing about uh, hurling is those momentum switches in ma- in ma- matches which look really improbable. But don't you get vicious then? Shouldn't you just kill them then? Shouldn't, well, shouldn't the court got as cynical well, and that, just do
2: whatever it takes to no, stop them getting sure, a look at goal? I mean, look
3: at look at look at Gal- look at Galway against Kilkenny when I mean, twelve points up and in. in, in around the half-hour mm. mark, and that's down to one point by the, the 55th minute. Um, and Golly wouldn't think twice about killing anybody, yeah. you know? So it just, it if you can get on a roll, and Limerick are, I mean, Nicky English was writing today uh, in the paper about their resilience, like over, not just... Yesterday, but over the mm-hmm. whole Himrick. of the season, yeah. That they they just... Uh, it's a cliche, you know, you they never know when they're, they're, they're beaten and all the rest. But it, it's kind of half true. I mean, it, when you consider in the quarterfinal, I mean, what's more of a death blow to a team than seeing Kilkenny sort of finesse a yeah. late goal yeah. to turn the match yeah. around? Yeah. And yes, they just... Went straight at it, and, and you go
1: back to the the Cork game in the Round Robin. You even go back yeah. to the
3: league, like you know, they
1: they came through the, the, the you know that that league game that went to the extra. Well, they against, managed to take it to extra time. And to the they
3: fleet. were only. Yeah. I mean, I think they they were only on level terms or ahead for a minute or something mm-hmm. in the in the seventy minutes yeah. before before winning the. Yeah, the the, the twenty four hour match yeah. uh, on the on thir- the shoes just
2: thirteen minutes with no score by Cork at the end just feels yeah. like a collapse you
3: know? for everything that's
2: gone before and for all the, the magnificence of Limerick and yeah. them deserving to be it it's just,
1: absolutely true and I think you put your finger on it a little bit like Daniel Carney going off was was huge. Yeah. Uh, he was in Seamus well. couldn't yeah. couldn't get into the game after his bang the first half. Carney came back though. didn't he? Carney came back for for extra yeah. time. Yeah. I mean they obviously patched him up and 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 sent him back out. with, with Cattle prod, but like, I think at that stage it was very clear in extra time. And I'm not sure I, I particularly copped this before, but their bench is very thin, yeah. And an awful lot of young guys, not a lot of you know, they, not, not, they Myler didn't. said that afterwards, they, he goes,
2: Their 21 and 22 year olds have more road than us, they've more experience of senior championships, absolutely. Than our guys.
1: Well, and he's right with that, really but but you. but Cork also didn't have Shane Dowling to send on, yeah. and like. Dowling came on with the life force. You could see him. You could see he was just in the mood, give me the ball here. Everything. I am... I am buzzing here, I have way more energy than everybody else on the pitch and I'm not missing a single shot His interview post-match with John Cantwell on the pitch, he
2: covered everything. He covered the please leave us alone, we have to (laughs) go underground (laughs) thing. He was like, he basically put it to Kylie going I should be picked, I should be starting (laughs) Uh, and and, and he just, he told (laughs) like a lovely story about Knerk coming onto the pitch and saying this is how championships are won, go for it at the penalty, you know. Mm. Um,
3: It was, was, he lost his composure because he was supposed to be the man, he says look sir, we
2: have to go underground here now, please don't contact us. But
3: that, that that I think was identified in the lead into the the match as 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 a critical advantage that Limerick would have because mm-hmm. remember it was it was their bench that, that swung against Kilkenny as well late, late on so they they have a strong bench mm-hmm. and and funnily enough I mean even back in 2013 when you know John Allen's team won Munster uh, and amazingly I you know there's only but. There's only three, three starters, and that team left. Stations, uh, um, but even then, I mean, he was he he was bringing on an an impact bench. Like Shane Dowling was a was an impact sub in 2013 as well. Now he's 20 year old. Yeah. yeah, and then he but in 2014 he started. He was he was an all star and, and now he, he's back as, uh, as an impact sub. But th- there's no doubt that I mean, if you can, if you can organize things that way, it's it's a it's an amazingly forceful. Uh, Card to play. Have you see, ever people? seen
2: such damage to players though than ever before in, in a summer? Like we don't. Joe Canning and McInerney might be out. The Galway's season might might have collapsed now before we even know it. Mm-hmm. Um, like, have you ever seen such damage done to players as just the, the toll that's been taken for all of
3: this? All of this great hurling. Well, yeah, I, I mean you you do get you do get injuries. Um, uh, I, I don't. Maybe there's maybe there's something about. Uh, maybe something about extra time in a in a, in a semi-final that's it's, it's particularly demanding certainly they were kind of fairly they were fairly wasted around the place yeah, it's, a f- uh, it's a field hospital yeah the but I, I don't know i mean i, I think the, i think teams and players like having more matches yeah. um and i think it does put a premium on a strong panel because you are the more you play the more likely you are to to, to pick up injuries uh, whether it's a result of playing more matches directly I don't know about uh, about that uh, but
1: Saturday night John, much much like much like yesterday I thought the the sort of closing five minutes of normal time or maybe closing seven or eight minutes into injury time of normal time on Saturday night that's I mean like that to me is, is as as frantic and as I, I I used the word elemental in the in the live report as a sport can get like I I just couldn't get over Everything mattered, and uh, the the quality of it stayed really, really high for those that p- specific period. I mean, it was high the whole time. But that was that was astonishing stuff. Now at the end of the game, it
3: was because there's something there, there, there's something a, a bit it, it sounds um, strange or paradoxical, but there's something a bit laid back about Galway in the sense that they you know, go in and they beat up teams early on, and then they seem to you know they seem to wander a bit and they get that he gets cut back and they go again. Mm. And what I felt was interesting on, on Saturday was I didn't really think at any stage that Galway were threatened with, 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 with defeat until you get to the second period of extra time yeah. and, and Clare get a goal. And yeah. then you suddenly realise, God, actually this match could go against Galway. And uh, their response was was fairly good. You know, they had a, a point scored immediately mm-hmm. uh, after it. But... Y- y- with the draw, the extra time, the, the replay, it's possible to lose sight of the fact that Galway really dominated that that match on mm-hmm. on the scoreboard. I mean, they but they could never shake Clare. I mean, against Kilkenny when they had that big comeback, Galway pulled away and and won and won by seven. But they couldn't get it beyond about three points on on Saturday. Every time they looked like. They were going up the gears and going to pull away. Claire and that was came was
1: because Claire were able to to get back and to get level, uh, but Claire, I, as you said, didn't get ahead until Aaron Shanahan's goal uh, in in extra time, in the second half of second extra time, half of yeah. extra time. But I mean, it, it was it was phenomenal stuff. I thought from Claire, I really did think in extra time, I thought Claire were going to do it. I, I just for exactly as you said, the the fact that that Galway had their sort of mind had seemed to wander a little bit and much like Cork yesterday they were shelling players at this stage mm. you know McInerney going off Cannon going off mm. David Burke had gone off I think that's going to cost them the All-Ireland what, everything you just said there it could do yeah who's your hurler of the year if there's three more games left because the
2: All-Ireland final will be a replay so who's your hurler of the year at the moment if it ended now
1: <laughs> I thought Park Manion was brilliant again on Saturday he got one and of the man of the matches didn't he did he, he got the did Sports he, yeah. one he didn't get the, yeah. he has been I mean I uh, uh, and maybe between him, maybe John Conlon. How would you pick? Like Aaron Gillan. It could be, you know, the, the the shortlist might have to go beyond three Once,
3: Yeah. I, I, I thought Park Mannion was exceptional on, yeah. on Saturday. Duggan got
1: the RT one and yeah.
3: Mannion
2: got the yeah. Sky Sports
3: one. Yeah. For the I, same I, Littlewood sponsor. Mannion <laughs> just, I mean, he was everywhere. On He was the one Galway player whose performance didn't have sort of peaks and troughs over the 70 minutes he was That's right. he was he was at it all the time. He was um,
1: always sweeping in yeah, and collecting uh, ball here and moving And he's on, been at,
3: he's, he's been he's
2: been fantastic all season. Tony you know? Kelly I look not for Hurdle deer, he might play himself into it but what,
3: what what did you feel like I just thought he changed everything when he moved He's, he's had a kind of a, a sort of a patchy year like I mean at, at times he's touching the heights that he reached in 2013 uh you know the he, he comes into matches, he roars into matches and knocks off points from all over mm. the place. But then maybe goes a bit bit quiet again. I agree, yeah. When he when he that that rejig that Clare did, which brought him to to centre field, you know, really got them back to the table uh, on on Saturday. Um, and but I think it's really it's it's redemptive for Clare who've been going on since twenty thirteen. But if only we get back to yeah. Croke Park, I was kind of scoffing at that a bit, saying you know you went in Crow Park because you didn't deserve to be really. And yeah. you know I mean it's only you. It's only a pitch at the end of the day. But they they That's were shown, they were transformed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that, that oh, I accept that. I think that they, they really they really rose to that to that occasion of finding themselves back back there. I don't think there's got a third of course for the yes. replay, but uh but I, I thought it was really, you know, uh, their best performance since twenty thirteen. Yes. And, and and all the more so. admirable for staring down the barrel of a gun because mm-hmm. I mean Galway were just annihilating them in the first 20 minutes. Well,
1: we have plenty more to go. We thought we'd only have one game left after the weekend, but we have two at least to go, and who's to say we won't have more? Sean, thanks a million for coming in, and uh, we'll chat to you again as this uh, season continues to unwind. We have a guest on our fantastic podcast this morning, Natalia Coyle. Hello.
0: Hello. Thanks very much for having
1: me on. Oh, not at all. Thank you very much for coming in. Natalia, you have had a fantastic summer. Uh, I presume everybody knows that you are the world's 5th rank modern yep.
0: pentathlete? currently at the moment, there yes. So that's
1: well, great. What, a, what a joy for us to have you in here. Uh, your summer has been fantastic. I mean, I mean, after years of sort of rolling the rock up the hill and, you know, working, 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 for it to, to come right like this must be fantastic.
0: Yeah, it's been kind of like a dream season so far because I started off, I won my first individual medal. And I got silver in the World Cup in Bulgaria. And then I went on to a World Cup final, which is kind of like, um, for people who don't know, it's like a grand final of all the top 36 athletes in the world. And you go to this one-day competition. And I came fourth there. So that's Mm. kind of equates to our World Championships, same thing. And then I just came back from Europeans a week ago, and I came fifth there. So I've had some great results. And yeah, it's been a long time. I've been kind of getting closer and closer across the years. And now it's finally kind of just, it's finally happened, which is great. It's really, really good.
1: What were your expectations for the season?
0: I really wanted to get um, a couple of top sixes. I wanted to kind of slowly, I didn't, I was hoping I'd win a medal, but in pentathlon anything can really happen. Mm. So you always say if you get close enough each time, if you're coming top six, top eight, you will get a medal eventually. It'll just, pentathlon will come right. So I was kind of hoping to, get um, a couple of top six, top eight and then get into World Cup final and do well there and kind of I ended up Come in second, first, and then you know. So it was great. It was really, it was brilliant. It was. Uh, it's been. A, it's been a stellar season.
1: I was being a little facetious at the start, of course, by saying that I presume everybody knows we have the fifth ranked. <laughs> w- w- Modern w- pentathlon
0: isn't so mainstream yet. It's <laughs> getting there, but it's not that mainstream yet.
1: So let's talk about it a, a, a little bit. It's obviously it's five events: it's fencing, shooting, swimming, horse riding, and. The running. Running, yeah. yeah.
0: I, I, I say it in a different <laughs> order, and you know if you say something out of order, it's <laughs> like the thing in the other... country yeah. yeah. Yeah, so it's five events, and it was um, created by Pierre de Kubenberg who came up with the modern-day Olympics. So it's based on, well, what was a soldier back in the day? You could drop me anywhere in the world, and I could find my way home and fight my way home. So it's based upon that, and it's supposed to be kind of the ultimate test of an athlete. Mm. So that's what it's based upon, and... It's a pretty long day. How do you go about
1: training for that? I, I often wonder this about you. Is it is it a case of do, do you just sort of try and balance all five of them to get them all to a certain level or or are there are there is one easier to sort of get more points at than the, than another?
0: Um, It's a lot of trial and error. You need to kind of, um, it takes a lot of years. And we got a lot of help from the Institute of Sport and they help balance kind of the program. It also depends what your strengths are. So, Mm. you know, I really, last year I was having some good um, results, but I wasn't able to kind of finish them really because my run wasn't strong enough. So that we went back to the drawing board last winter and said, right, the running is most important. I'm going to run the most. So I spent a lot of time running And then you need to look at the other events, the way they're weighted. Fencing, you need to do well at fencing. So make sure you keep the fencing up. And I suppose it just depends. Some athletes are natural swimmers. They won't have to swim as much. I am not a natural fish, so I have to swim a good bit more than other people. But it's just a bit of trial and error. And over the years, you can kind of figure out what your body can take and what can't. So you work up to the the very hard training over a course of a couple of years and that's what it is but it's interesting because each week is a new week and mm. you know you get to do lots of different things all the time each day is a different day and it means you do different training sessions and you know it's always interesting I never have to do one sport and never bored
1: Because it's I always find it fascinating how athletes or sports people in general train I remember talking Gavin you know this I remember talking to Alan Quinlan once about you know um the ultimate when you're, athlete the ultimate yeah. athlete but well, went, when <laughs> he, when he was doing when he was doing the the column for the irish times he was talking one time i find this very fascinating about the build up to like a big game that one thing that that they would do that people might not think about is that um you would work on your strengths if 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 you're really good at something that it's that it's important not to just focus in on your weaknesses and try, and try and raise the weakness to a certain level. Take the thing that you are really good they
2: at. They had to change the rules of rugby because Munster did that so well. <laughs> they just their pick and jam thing that they yeah. won European Cups off it and O'Gara's boots. So they literally had to change the games of rugby because Munster kept focusing but on But I wonder, is so there it. an
1: element of that with you? Like is, there, is there one of the five or two of the five that you really enjoy and, and are, feel that, that you're more natural at and you, you know that it's important to keep working at, at those?
0: Yeah, well, I suppose, especially in pentathlon, if you've got a strength, you need to make sure that stays a strength. Right. There's no point trying to bring everything up and it makes you too much of, like, level playing field.
2: That's when you dominate, basically.
0: Exactly, and there's a couple of specialists, we call them, you know, in pentathlon. So you might have a swimmer who's incredible, or you might have a runner who is can run right up the field. And this year I've been, I've worked a long time at it, but I've been really consistent with a really good fence. And that puts me in a really really good position before I do everything else so I could be in Bulgaria I won the fence and then I end up quite far ahead of the field before we do everything else so it kind of it helps you start off the day really well and there's been a lot of stats done that maybe if you're in the top five after the fencing that they're the medalists in the top five unless something Mm -hmm. like the horse riding doesn't go well so that's kind of where you try and go but fencing is the only other time that I can influence someone else's results because I can beat them so some days it doesn't go as well as you hope it's a bit of a roller coaster
2: is that that from were you doing that since you were a young child or is that in your background or Um, how did that how did that come about you were so good at it
0: no I don't really know you know I'm not really sure because we started when we were about 17 but you know I didn't do constant training then and you know I trained a lot when I was in Trinity College and there was a very good fencing coach um, called Tristan Paris who we still use today we go over to England to use him and You know, I think it's just a culmination of different things. I'm left-handed. Not many people are left-handed. And it's just kind of a style that you kind of generate across the years that just seems to be a little bit awkward, I suppose.
1: The sport is growing. And a couple of weeks ago, uh, as well as your fifth place in the Europeans, like you, you won a team medal. Like It's fantastic the way that there are more people doing it now.
0: Yeah it's great it was um it was a fantastic day cuz I was delighted after I finished fifth I was so close to a medal but you know you'd be happy with the fifth and then we were all just kind of you know saying well done to everyone on the team and just to different people who'd won medals and then we kind of looked up the board and and we're like Ireland why is Ireland in 2 no way. and then and then <laughs> it kind of clicks and because we'd never even seen it before like it took a few minutes and then suddenly like Sive is screaming at the other end of the range and then Ailey's at the other end and we're like jumping up and down and everyone is looking at us as if we're like what's going on and then everyone else looked and they were like Ireland can't believe it and it's really nice because the international community kind of has seen how, how we've grown as a sport in Ireland and everyone was so happy for us and they were really really happy as well so it's really nice and Are yeah it to is. get you now It'd well, be
2: nice until you start winning medals. Yeah, I
0: know. Till till it keeps happening now, they're like, can yeah, you
1: you have that actually, medal?" You sort of by accident.
0: Well, like, well,
1: did, did, did you not know there was a team competition?
0: We we did, but like, I suppose at the start of the day, we, we've never really had a team. Before mm. to contest, so we the first time we actually had three girls was last year in European. Yeah. So it wasn't like it's something we're used to and hadn't really thought about it. And then suddenly we're kind of looking around and God, like, and we didn't even have podium tracksuits, so we were all getting white tops to match and making <laughs> me sure we had black shorts on. And everyone was there in their smart uniforms, and it's like, oh, <laughs> so.
1: <laughs> the other two, of course, are Eli, Eli Price and, and Sai Brassel. Brassel. Yeah. yeah. Um, and do you train with them at all or is there any sort of, uh, like, do, do have they worked out at the Institute as well?
0: Yeah, well, we, um, side was based um, here up until last year and side's actually living in Paris now. Mm. And Ailey is in GB, so she lives in GB. Okay. So we actually are kind of spread around the world, mm. which but we all come together for obviously competitions in a couple of different camps. So kind of our multicultural um, training basis at the moment. So it makes for interesting chats when we meet up anyway. So you're finished now for the summer, is that right? Yeah, free. I'm finished for the summer. It's been a long season because our worlds this year are in Mexico City in the start of September. And we haven't done an altitude block this year. We want to focus on World Cup final as our main Mm -hmm. event. And that is also a one day event. And that's what the Olympics is. So we kind of wanted to really hone in on skills on that. So we're not going to go to Mexico and we're going to start training again for Europeans next year which are earlier in the season mm. and that's our Olympic qualifier so that's the really big one so that's what everything is kind of focused on too for next year
2: The no whole so question is are you, get, are you getting looked after funding wise and just the ability to be the best you can possibly be from all yeah. the there's obviously a couple of avenues that fund what you do but
0: Yeah well I've great support from the sports council so I'm on carding there so that's what some international athletes are on so I've got some good carding and I can use every facility I want out of the institute and we're really lucky because we had um, Martina McCarthy as acting um, performance director of our sport at the moment. And we have her come with us to competitions and training camps. And that's kind of something we wouldn't have really had before. But as years have come along, it's kind of something we get more people. We had our psychologist, Kate Kirby, come with us as well to Europeans. So we're kind of getting more and more as years go along. And I definitely think, um, no, we're very lucky in, in terms of funding at the moment. So hopefully I'll continue. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> How important is it to have Kate with you at events and stuff like that?
0: It's really, it probably not as important on the day. And she'll probably say this herself as well, but it's great for future your work. So there's not much you can really change in the moment, you know, but in afterwards she can be like well he didn't really handle that situation that well or that was really good what, what she did there and it's kind of especially when I was younger I remember Kate came to Europeans and I wasn't good at dealing with my emotions at all and I think I was hiding behind a plant at one stage trying to avoid her and <laughs> it was going really bad and she only remarked on that as well she was like well back then there was just like a list of things that we had to work on and then this time around it's really focusing on just the finer details so it really helps it's just kind of making sure that you've kind of got the big things sorted and then work on the smaller bits and that's definitely, Kate can help kind of keep the whole thing together and especially on times when it's really high stress as well
1: Well, Whatever she is doing and whatever you're doing is clearly uh, paying off. Natalia I'm delighted for you, I met you a couple of years ago and uh, I've just been following you ever since and couldn't be happier that things are starting to come right and I just hope it keeps going well for you in the future Thanks Thanks, so much for coming in Natalia, of course, is not the only Irish woman having a fantastic summer. Um, The women's hockey team are wowing the the World Cup in England at the minute. Johnny Watterson was over there last week. Johnny, thanks for coming in. You're welcome, Malky, no problem. Where does all this come from? Um, They went in, you wouldn't have said they went into the World Cup with with very low expectations, but they weren't as high as all of this, surely? They They
4: went in with low ranking, Mm. but high expectations Mm. is the way they would say it to you. Mm. Um, I mean, they're in the World Cup final, quarterfinal now. People are asking where did this come from. Fact of the matter is Ireland were very close in previous years of breaking through into the the upper echelon Mm. of world world hockey. They missed out on qualification for Rio uh, after drawing with China and losing a penalty shootout. So they were a penalty shootout away for playing in Rio. Mm. So they're coming from, I suppose, that disappointment of close but no cigar for Rio, into a World Cup where a lot of them from that Rio qualification team stuck with it. Uh, They have a better attitude. They're more conditioned. They have a good coach who's pretty sharp called Graeme Shaw. Mm. And it's working out this time. They're getting the rub of the green. They've got that couple of extra percent in their game and they're just winning matches that maybe six years ago before Rio they would have been losing.
1: Well, qualification is one thing, but to actually get to the tournament and then top the group, that seems like that seems a a massive step.
4: It's a massive step, and it was the the aspirational view before before the tournament started. Um, They got off with a flyer against the USA, winning three one. Again, they were stepping up to beat a a higher ranked team. The USA were ranked seven in the world; Ireland are sixteen. So, obviously, they, they weren't expected to win that. They did. They then met India in the second match. Again, India ranked higher than them at uh, 10 in the world. They beat India. Then they lost to England in the final pool match, which was inconsequential. Mm. England are the Olympic champions and ranked two in the world. Ireland lost 1-0 to them in the last 10 minutes. So it's a team with momentum. It's a team where all the players are playing to their maximum. And it's a team that has now got belief that they can... Front up to any other team in the world,
2: Johnny. You were over at the India game. Is is it kind of almost shades of what Fiona Cochran's rugby team did in two thousand thirteen, fourteen? What, what's the potential for them? What they can do here? Where the general populace didn't know about it, but people inside hockey, like yourself, who've been writing about it, um, knew that there was potential for this, and now it's starting to blossom. that they could go to a semi now, or yeah,
4: finally. I think uh, I think so. Uh, again, it was you know. Shaw brought in these percentage gains as as they did in rugby in Fiona Coughlin's era where, you know, they conditioned in 2014, they said, we've got to be better conditioned. They brought in Gary Longwell, former Ulster rugby yeah, player, as, as a yeah. as a psychologist. Again, you're you're adding little bits that
1: weren't there before.
2: Never knew Gary Longwell had a sports psychology <laughs> background until <laughs> I heard on, on down, the radio yeah. this week that or
1: he was in h- with h- the team. Does he have a hockey background or is it just as a professional sportsman?
4: It just as a, as a sports psychologist. He would have right. been some hockey player. yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of rugby connections in hockey. I, so, I yeah. mean, there's Hannah Matthews is playing there. Uh, her dad played uh, for for Ireland. Um, Hannah Bow in the past, mm. Tommy's sister, yeah, played yeah, for Ireland. Yeah. So yeah, it's a school system where hockey and rugby schools are, are sort of s- similar minded is schools. Is it still that though? Because like, obviously rugby's expanded outside of the school systems in a
2: big way in the last generation. Is hockey still very strictly aligned with their schools, hockey teams, which is plenty of, obviously, but...
4: Yeah, it's still... It's still Schools still generate good players, and it's, it's similar to rugby. There's a broader base of schools, especially in women's hockey, where the Laredo, the Laredo Order, mm. produced loads of great players, and there's several on, on this team. Um, I think there's four UCD uh, students who are playing on it. Uh, they would have come through the school system. So the... All the hockey players come through a school system, much like rugby, and it's a very strong school system.
2: Um, people, people associate you with writing about tennis, boxing, and rugby. But how many caps do you have for Ireland?
4: I have twenty-five. I'm not going <laughs> to ask you for the years that you won them. But like people, now, people don't uh, know you're a hockey international. Now they're now they're earning two hundred and fifty. <laughs> uh, Shirley McKay, who's playing, a, who who will be playing on Thursday in the final against either Italy or India. She, she zoomed past 250 last year or the year before. I don't know what her total is now, but I presume Shirley McKay is the most capped mm. woman of any sport in it Ireland be, by yeah. a mile. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, it, since I played, the game has changed considerably. Has the faster? game the girls are playing in, in London, it's faster. You sub on and off, uh, like basketball. Uh, the old days when I played in the 80s, it was... You start with 11, you put on three subs in and the,
2: the 70s, 70s, 70s. <laughs> 70s. So, was it <laughs> <70s>? No, no, which <laughs> that's what uh, Graeme Shaw was saying because they were asked him, it was kind of an, a naive question because people that we're all kind of catching up on hockey you now and they asked him, Oh, because yeah. of the England game and you're qualified, are you gonna, you know, you, they're looking at other sports, you're gonna rest and use your bench. And Graeme Shaw was like, No, we rotate all the time, so we use the entire squad all the time in every game. There's not a like people are still kind of catching up. We, the general populace is going to only peer in their heads. In now, we we really don't know what, about this. So no, it's
4: it's highly technical. You 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 almost need a spreadsheet to do the rotations. Um, s- some teams like Australia, who would be the d- best teams in the world, would rotate players three or four or five minutes. So if you have sixteen players mm. rotating at that time, just do the maths and. The organisation of, of that is, is quite something.
1: Do you um, think it can break through, Johnny? I mean, it, it, hockey is just one of those sports that bubbles under the surface. You know, it, it needs, obviously, the, the national teams to be making World Cups, making Olympics for, for it to break through to the general populace at all. But like this, this is a chance like, the you know, we're at a quiet time of the year there's really nothing going on in sport outside of the the GAA on the weekends the premier league hasn't started back yet rugby isn't back yet all of that sort of stuff like this is an opportunity for to to grab people's attention it is whether it breaks through or not it, probably not i would say mm-hmm. um,
4: structures aren't there i don't i think to to, to allow it to expand if if that many people did want to jump in and play the game um, I mean, if you look at the match at the weekend that Ireland played England lost 1-0 in their final pool game, the England team won the gold medal in Rio. They've been given 20 million euros between the Rio cycle and the Tokyo cycle. So that's funding for hockey, for GB hockey between Rio and Tokyo. The Irish girls have to pay Hockey Ireland 550 euros a year to play for the country. That disparity alone, That's a joke. if you take out everything else, that that wouldn't allow an Irish team to, to play at that, uh, that level, sustained mm. level for a long time. They need funding. I mean, they're, they're being killed, really. They're, they're students and mums and people just on work. The usual thing, amateurs yes. are trying to play a professional game and in this case succeeding mm. in beating teams who are, who are centrally funded. England have 40 players, 40 males and 40 females centrally funded on full-time contracts. So they have 80 hockey players on full-time contracts between Rio and Ireland. can't compete with that, but a little bit more funding so that at least the players didn't have to put their hands in their pockets and hand over €550 Euros Explain that. would the, help. Does that happen all the way down through the system? You have to pay to be a representative at hockey, like right through? It happens all the way down to the Leinster under-16s. <laughs> so you want to play representative? You have to pay. Yes, that's do. A deeply flawed system. It's a deeply flawed system. It's something I've railed against for a while. Sounds very elite for starters. Well, that's my that would be my my view on it. It makes it elite because if you can if your kid is fourteen years old and talented, and suddenly they start asking you for a hundred pounds for this or a hundred euros for that, they'll be playing camogie pretty quickly. Yeah, um, I think it's it's a flawed system. Um, it needs to change.
2: Just how does it? If anything good can come out of this World Cup, it's for starters, these Irish heroes are not going to be paying five hundred and fifty euro. But
4: how does that start? Starts with Leo Veratka backing up the tweets he sent, congratulating the Irish hockey team for getting to a World Cup quarterfinal. That's great. It's all very well, but maybe the Taoiseach c- could start at the funding level mm-hmm. and say, "Well, yeah, these these women." Are achieving great things by making it to a world cup quarterfinal and now they have a great chance of getting to world cup semi-final because they're going to play india who they've just beaten or italy who are ranked 15 in the world i think just uh yes yeah, 17 in the world one place lower than ireland so ireland are facing a team they're ranked higher than or india who they've already beaten so they have a good chance of a semi-final to change things dramatically they need more money. It's a bottom line issue. There, they need it, more funding. What's the
2: executive like in Hockey Ireland? Do they are they willing to do this change? Are they willing to kind of move towards a professional elite a team for their for their international teams? Or what's that's love, obviously the problem
4: here? Is it? It's a problem that's there's been an Irish solution to that in some instances. In that some of the girls are good enough to play in Holland and in Germany, uh, Megan Fraser, who's a fit Megan Faiz, are one of the best players in the world. She plays in Mannheim in Germany. Uh, Chloe Watkins, who's, who's mm. playing there, plays in Holland. Um, so they, they offset the being unable to play professionally by moving out of the country and doing it somewhere else, which isn't ideal, but it's, uh, it gets them the level of hockey that they need to have to
1: start going to World
4: Cups and getting to quarterfinals.
1: That quarterfinal will be on Thursday. As you say, it'll be either India or, or Italy. When will we know?
4: We'll know uh, tomorrow, Tuesday. Tuesday. Yeah, they play on Tuesday. The winner meets Ireland on Thursday. Ireland also have an extra two rest days mm. before they play that match, although they had a tough match against England. Now they've a clear run until Thursday. So they're going to play a team playing on Tuesday, on Thursday. So, you know, there Was there, it's, was
1: there uh, much of an Irish crowd over there last week?
4: There were more Irish people at the Ireland game against. India than any other nation. Wow. There were, I would say, th- 300. Wow. Uh, th- you went as a punter. I went as a, a fan with my dog. You'd be gone yeah. as a rider yeah. if they keep this yeah. up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 37 degrees in the Olympic Stadium. Jesus. A great venue for people who hadn't seen the London Olympic mm. Stadium. You walked right through the, the Olympic Queen Elizabeth Park. It's called the Olympic Stadium, is there Stratford. with West Ham on, yeah, on yeah, the roof course, now. Yeah. You've got the metal uh, structure, the load of bent wire oh, and yeah, steel yeah. is still, still there. there yeah, yeah. The, velo- the beautiful velodrome, which is a sort of wavy building, is still there. The, the swimming is still there.
2: Is there still a bit of a wasteland around it? I was at it in 2015, what Rugby World Cup, I was out
4: there. Is it? No, the, the wasteland has been regenerated into apartments and parks and walkways. So it's completely regenerated East London.
1: Yeah. well we will uh, hockey ole 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 for the rest of the week uh, we will, especially yeah. <laughs> if they if they get through on Thursday Johnny thanks a million for all of that uh, thanks everybody who was around thanks especially to Natalia Coyle who came in to us earlier and to Sean who was in talking about the Hurling thank you to you Gavin for uh, sitting in again hopefully That's he, back will, soon, isn't he should be back soon but you're doing very well so very maybe, well. maybe we'll keep you on uh, thanks to Declan and JJ and to everyone listening we'll see you again next week folks thanks a million i hey.